0: 24 this morning Luke chapter number 24 listen if you can't enjoy church and the Christian life what are you going to do when you get to heaven right right RJ I mean you got to enjoy the Christian life now and so here we are this morning we're wrapping up a series we've got a lot of special things next listen listen to me next week don't miss Sunday school the missions conference two missionaries are going to be in the Sunday school hour you don't want to miss it it's going to be a special anointed hour and so we're, we're concluding our series here on Journeys of Faith, and we're in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now upon the first day of the week, uh, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus, and it came to pass As they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them uh, in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Notice those words, the living among the dead. He is not here, but is what? He's risen. And the Bible goes on to say here, Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, and they remembered his what? His words. Now, when we get into this last lesson, and we've taken a lot of journeys in in the Word of God, and, and some of them were more or less character studies, these last couple have focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and what uh, he went through. And understand, Jesus came for us. He came because of our sin. So today, our journey takes, or his journey really, is the journey to the tomb. And, of course, when I look at this passage and I sit and think about these followers of Jesus, the disciples of the Lord, And that's what we are. We're followers of Christ. And when I think about those that spent time with him, some maybe a few short days, maybe some weeks, maybe some like the the apostles, uh, three, three and a half years. But I think to myself that the devastation that was left in their minds and in their hearts when they stood at the foot of the cross, looking up at the Son of God, as he was about to give his life, or was giving his life, not only for their sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Devastation. The one they had looked to, the one that they were living for, for the, all that time period, they were devastated. And when the the time of the crucifixion came to an end, they they made their journey eventually to this picture that you look at here. This is a a real picture of the garden tomb, they call it, that Jesus was placed in, a borrowed tomb. And Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and he was buried there. Now, we know that he didn't need it long. But as you think about the burial, and of course, some of us have, in this life, we've we've had loved ones that have passed. The burial of a person really is the last way on this earth that we can honor the person that we loved so much. And this was the time that the disciples could one last time give honor to the one that they loved so much, the one that had changed their lives. And the journey to the tomb, notice, was a sorrowful journey. It was It was really a time where uh, their hopes that they had of a coming kingdom. Those hopes were vanished. You see, for all this time, listen, not just in the New Testament of our Bible, but even in the Old Testament of our Bible, God's people had been looking for a deliverer, somebody to overthrow the government, somebody to establish his kingdom here on earth. And a lot of people thought that's what Jesus was going to do when he came, but Jesus made it very clear he didn't come to stay. Now, there's going to be a time where Jesus will establish his kingdom, but this was not the time. And as you think about this sorrowful journey, here they were, those disciples, and they had, as the Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, follow me. And the Bible says that they, they left everything to do what? to follow after him. But listen, they left everything and now he was gone. All the hope that they had, their hearts were filled with confusion and fear and apprehension. Their dreams were shattered. All hope was gone. Why? Because he was gone. I mean, if we would have been there, we probably would have been the same exact way. Lord, everything looked so good while you were here. But now you're gone. And I want you to see why it was a sorrowful journey, because, most of all because of the Savior's death. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 24, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. See, when, when Jesus was on this earth, there were many people that Jesus dealt with. One of those people that you find is is that Jesus dealt with a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Now, there's a couple different Marys in the New Testament uh, uh, passages that we see in our Bible, but Mary Magdalene was the one identified in Luke chapter 8. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Mary, like so many, Mary Magdalene, her life had been changed. It had been transformed by the power of God. Listen, Mary Magdalene, like all of us, she was separated from God by her sin. But when she met Jesus, when the Lord came and changed her life, she now was was thinking about this one that had brought hope to her. Well, how did Jesus bring hope? Same way he brings it to us, through forgiveness, See, our sins are forgiven. Amen? Amen. You think about our lives. Listen, Jesus forgave us of our sins. He says, Father, forgive them. That statement from the cross wasn't just for those that were there that day. Our sins in 2019 nailed him to the cross. He died for the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. Not just for Mary Magdalene. And the Bible says in Mark 16, 9, look at this. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, notice he appeared, what's that next word? First. To who? Mary Magdalene. Jesus appears to this woman. And Mary Mary Magdalene, before Jesus died, you know what was going on? Because she had been saved. And by the way, this ought to be true of all of us. She had a growing relationship with God. See, God changed her from the inside out, and she was a work in progress like all of us are. She had a growing relationship with God, and that relationship came through His Son, Jesus Christ. But here's the truth, is now, for the first time, she would now face life without Jesus. Now, we know what the Bible says, that Jesus promises that He will be with us always. But you have to remember, Mary Magdalene and all those during the Bible times, Jesus physically was there with them. Now he's gone. For the first time since she met him, she was going to have to face life without him. That's why it was sorrowful. It was a difficult time, devastation. And she sorrowed the death of the one that had changed her life forever. And they were sorrowing because of his death, but notice they also were surprised when they got there on the first day of the week because the tomb was empty. And notice in verse number two, as we read on, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they they entered in and found none of the uh, found not the body of the Lord Jesus and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid bowed down their faces to the earth they said unto them why seek ye the living among the dead look at look in your notes there in John's record in John chapter 20 look at verse 1 in his passage the bible says the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeing the stone rolled away from the sepulcher she runneth, then run she runneth and cometh to, to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, They have taken away the, the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and, and came to the sepulcher, and they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. I mean, listen, they were surprised that Jesus' body was gone, that they had taken him. Look, when you, when you think about this, let me ask you this question. If you've been reading your Bible over the years, did Jesus ever talk about his death, his burial, and his resurrection? <laughs> On man, many occasions, right? Right? I mean, there were, there were many times, and, and sometimes we wonder why we, we do certain things or maybe why we have a missions conference. Pastor, we've had a missions conference every year, or, or every year we, we challenge you as a Christian, read your Bible this year. Well, listen, pastor, I've read my Bible. Listen, repetition is the key to learning. And Jesus had told them on numerous occasions about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But I think what happens sometimes is this, that when we go through traumatic times, trials, even to the point sometimes where we're in shock, I think what happens is is that we, we lose perspective on details. We might either overlook or forget, or as I've started to use the phrase, have a senior moment. You know, where where somehow it's blocked from our memory. We just th- th- there's certain details that are left out, and we don't think about it. John, look at John two nineteen. Now listen, I just read to you from John chapter what at the tomb. What was that? John chapter what twenty. But look at this verse in John chapter two. How many of you think? That what happened in John chapter two happened before what's in John chapter twenty. How many of you think that? All right. Now watch what it says in John chapter two. Jesus answered and said unto them, "Destroy this temple, and in three days what's he going to do? Yeah, he's going to raise it up again. Now you remember, remember their their response to that. How many days did it take him to build the temple? Anybody know? Yeah. It took them a long time to build that temple with human hands. But when Jesus made this statement, the Bible says he spake this of his body. He was saying, look, you can crucify me. You can place me in a tomb. But he says, I only need it for three days. He says, after three days, I'm out of there. And Jesus said that to them, but listen, they forgot They blocked that, maybe in the shock of the fact when they got to the tomb, his body wasn't there. They've taken him. Fear sometimes can hinder our ability to remember the promises that God has given to us. Listen, I think all of us, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Sometimes when we hear news that is very disheartening or very surprising to us, do we not forget the promises that God has given to us in his word that we know, that we've taken to memory, but but because of what we're going through, because of the fear, we forget about those. Is that true? We do. We forget about how God has said, I will be faithful through all things, right? How God says, I'll never leave you. We forget about those because of fear. Look Look at Matthew 26 and verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. That was in Matthew. We just read John's record. Here's Matthew's account. He actually says that the shepherd, who's the shepherd? Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus told them, that, that they were going to smite the shepherd. What do you think smite means? They're going to kill the shepherd. And he says, and the sheep are going to be what? Scattered. See, sheep need a shepherd. And that was one of the things. You have to understand, in Jesus' ministry on this earth, while he was here, he knew how important it was, not only for them to get to know him, but to follow him, but to invest in them because when he was gone, Would they stay together? Would they continue to do the work that he had called them to do? And Jesus told them in in the gospel records, hey, listen, this is going to happen. And his followers, what happens? Here they are after his death, and he has been placed in this tomb that you see right here. And by the way, we had the privilege of standing in this tomb. This is the garden tomb on the inside. How it was hewn out by hand. We stood there, we took turns. It's not a very big place. But we stepped inside that garden tomb. And and listen, my heart, I, I just sat there, my wife and I together, looking at the place where they believed that the body of Jesus, the Son of God, was laid in that tomb. And so here comes the disciples, some of the ladies. They come bringing spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Again, they, do, they were doing things a little bit differently than we do nowadays when it comes to a loved one that is past. passed. But they were planning to anoint his body, and they wanted to honor him the one last time, the one that had, had loved them so dearly. And when they arrived at the tomb, what did they find? The stone that was placed over the entrance had been rolled away. His body wasn't there. Certainly they were surprised. They were uh, maybe dismayed a little bit, But the biggest thing was they had forgotten what he had said. They forgot his promises that he made to them. They didn't realize that the empty tomb, as they looked at it like I did, listen, you have to understand, that empty tomb is a great symbol that testifies of the promises that God has made to us. We Listen, like all the religions of the world, the difference between Bible Christianity and the religions of the world is we serve a risen Savior. The people that start man-made religions, they're placed in the tombs and the graves. And that's where they stay. But Jesus was there three days. And see, it was a sorrowful journey. But notice that sorrow, secondly, turns into great wonder because it becomes a wonderful journey. Look at verse number 8. We read it there in Luke 24. And I love it. Just, just a couple words here. They remembered his words. Finally, they got it. Finally, all of a sudden, the amnesia is over, you know? They remembered what Jesus said to them, and they, listen, I I think about this morning as we come to the church, look, what do we do? We open up his word. We gather around his words. What, What brings us joy and gives us perspective in life? His word does. And that's exactly what happened. Listen, when they remembered what he said, it's like, oh, wait, do you remember what Jesus said? It's almost like all of a sudden the light bulb went on. You know, one of them got an epiphany. Hey, wait a minute. Remember what Jesus said? And so notice what happens here is that their fears were relieved by his words. By the things that he had said to them, Psalm 119, verse 24, thy testimonies, thy words also are are my delight and my counselors. Hey, listen, when you don't know where to go or where to turn to or who to listen to, hey, listen, there's always a Christian brother or sister that maybe you can go to, you can come to your pastor at any time. But listen, when you're all alone and you have nowhere to turn to, I'll tell you one place you ought to take your, your eyes and your nose is stick them in the word of God because the word of God will be your counselor. The word of God will be your light and your delight. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given us the spirit of what? Yeah, but God has given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hey, when when I look at this, I think about how that their fears that were there, they were relieved. Why? When they remembered the words that he said. Look, at, if you're still there in Luke 24, look down at verse number 36. Look at the Bible says. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Verse 37, But they were terrified and affrighted And suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Here's Jesus. He's standing there with them. Why are they relieved? Listen, they're not only relieved because of his words, but they were relieved that day because of his presence. God was standing in their midst. Hey, you know who I want? Uh, listen, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad to see that some of these birthday people showed up this morning. I'm glad to see some visitors. I'm glad to see the Xaviers back this morning. I'm glad to see every one of you. But do you know who I want to see walk through the door today? Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus shows up, we have church. We meet with God. That's exactly what happened. Here they are, fearing for their lives. You know why? Because they were followers of Jesus. They now had targets on their backs. And then all of a sudden, there he is. He didn't need a door. He's God. He just appeared. He was standing in the midst. And they were, they were afraid. They didn't recognize who he was. And he says, hey, look. Recognize these hands? Last time you saw them, they had nails through them. See my side? I did all that because I love you. You know, our Bible says that Jesus said, Peace be unto you. The the Jews used the word shalom. That had to bring, listen, not only to his words. Hey, listen, sometimes when I Stand by the bedside of someone. Many times I've read something like Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's his words. But listen, this was not only his words, this was him. The Bible says he himself. Jesus said, it is I. He says, look, I didn't send somebody else. He stood there in the presence of them. If we learn anything about the resurrection, and here's the the thought of the day right here. It is this, that the Lord Jesus will always be with us. He's always with us. There's never a time in your life when he is not with you. And you think about this, the the tomb, listen, the tomb of Jesus that we saw the picture of, it is a famous place. Out of many of the places I wanted to see when I went to the Holy Land, that was one of the top on my list. But do you know why it's famous? Because it's empty. <laughs> you, you go to places to see things. When we went there, guess what? We didn't see anything. And I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> I didn't want to see anything when I went in there. I wanted to see it empty. When I think about all that was going on, look, it was a sorrowful time for them, but it became a wonderful journey because his promises just rang in their ears that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's wonderful when we recognize the fact that we are not alone, that he's there with us. See, their fears were relieved, and their, secondly, their sorrow was removed. Look at verse number 8 again there if you're still... In the passage in Luke chapter 24, the Bible says in verse number 8 again, they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the 11 and to all the rest. When Jesus arose, you know what he did? Jesus gave hope to a hopeless world. You see, the world didn't have hope at all. Our sorrows a lot of times can be turned to joy by turning to god's word for help Uh, you know why because the bible still has answers for every problem in life whatever it is that you're facing in life god's word can help us and so the journey that jesus as he is crucified it was a sorrowful journey secondly it was a wonderful journey because jesus was there but then notice thirdly and this is where we come in not only the disciples but it was a transformational journey. They were transformed through forgiveness. Remember Peter, how Peter had denied the Lord three times? You know, a lot of times I think in my life, because I feel like I can relate to Peter, and I think many times how Peter probably thought to himself, especially after the Lord showed himself alive after his resurrection, Do you think that maybe Peter was thinking to himself, forgive me for what I've done? Could he ever use me after what I did? I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and a lot of people feel that because of what they've done in their past, that God could never use them and that God would never forgive them for what they've done. Can I tell you that's not our God. Our God can forgive us of all our sins. He can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Peter may have thought that. He wondered if the Lord would ever use his life, but you know what Jesus did? He forgave him. Look at Mark 16, verse 6. He said unto them, be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Now, if you look in the middle of those verses, here's what I love. And I saw this years ago, never forgot, it. highlighted it in my Bible. Notice he says, go your way, tell his disciples, and what's those next two words? And Peter. Is anybody else's name mentioned there? John? Thomas? Nobody else's name. But Jesus said, that was his way of saying, look, I'm not done with Peter. I've still got a job for Peter to do. Peter's not unemployed. There's still a great work to be done. And Peter was transformed as a result of what? The Lord's forgiveness. You know, the devil oftentimes, boy, I'll tell you, the devil tries to tell us that we've blown it. Many times the devil tries to convince us God can't use us, but God wasn't done with Peter, and God's not done with you or I either. Look at First John one nine. I just quoted part of this, but Here's the simple truth, biblical truth, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgave Peter, and what did He do? He restored Peter back into fellowship with God. And God wants to do the same thing for you and me. If we confess God wants to forgive us, And he wants to restore the fellowship that, listen, God didn't break it. Our sins broke that fellowship. Our sins have separated us and our God. God wants to restore us. And how is that possible? We are transformed like Peter. We're transformed through forgiveness. And notice, we're also transformed through faith. Go back to John's gospel there in your notes. Look at verse 20. After eight days, again, his disciples were within Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said, Then say, uh, said he, saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed Look at these words, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know what I think about when I think of that verse? We weren't there. We did not see his side, but with our spiritual eyes, we have. And he says, blessed, what's another word for blessed? Are you happy today in Jesus? for what he's done for us. Jesus gave his life. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've been transformed by God's forgiveness and I've been transformed, and you have too, by faith. He says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed, that have faith to believe. To be transformed through faith and salvation, we must believe. Listen, there's two things we've got to believe. We've got to believe the truth about ourselves. You know, somebody that has an addiction, that has a problem in life, you know what the first step is? They have to admit that they have a problem. We have to admit we're a sinner. And the second thing that we must believe is the truth about Jesus, that He is the Son of God, that He can save us from our sin. That's, that's Listen, look, look what Jesus said to Martha in John eleven twenty five. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were what? Amen. Yet shall he what? He Yet shall he live. Jesus redeems us when we come to him by faith. Redemption speaks of the forgiveness of sins, but not only the forgiveness of sins, it also speaks of our eternity with the Lord. Hey, listen, how many of you are saved today? Where are you going to spend eternity? In heaven with the Lord, right? Look look what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only, notice that, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Now, that's not talking about some of you right now that your eyes are kind of heavy. That's talking about those that have gone on before us. See, our hope in Jesus, our hope in Jesus will live beyond this life. Remember what Jesus said in John 14? Look at it there. He says, let not your heart be troubled. This was before his crucifixion. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, that's what he's doing today, right? He's preparing a place. And look at this. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Look at this. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. And then he goes on to say, and whither I go, ye know. And the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man, no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no one, don't matter how much money, how good you are, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, our core beliefs, what we believe about Jesus, His death, His burial, His resurrection, they must be the foundation for our faith. So as we journey through our Christian life, there's no doubt we've seen it over the last 13 weeks. We're going to have disappointments, and we're going to have times where we're discouraged. There's going to be times where our dreams like those of the disciples' Our dreams are going to be shattered. If you go back in your Bible, as a matter of fact, if you take just a moment, I think we've got a little time here, go back to 1 Kings chapter number 19 with me. Let me give you a great example This as as we conclude this. 1 Kings chapter number 19. To set the stage to these verses that I'm about to read, Most of us know about the prophet Elijah and his dealings on Mount Carmel, right? And that situation had just ended. Fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice and all that was around it. But this is right after the great victory that God gave to Elijah. And in chapter 19, the Bible says in verse 1 that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Verse number two, then Jezebel sent a messenger, saying, the messenger said unto Elijah, so let the gods, little letter G, do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So look down at verse number four. The Bible says, he himself went a day's journey, this is Elijah, into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. How many of you think he was discouraged? How many of you think he was afraid for his life? I've heard enough about this Jezebel enough that I'm shaking in my boots every time I think about her. But look what it says here. He sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might what? Die. He said, it it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then the angel touched him, said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is to what? The journey is too great for thee. Look at the next verse. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. I'm going to tell you something. You know what I've discovered about the Christian life is, yes, the journey is too great for me. I'm never going to make it without God. The only way we're going to make it on this journey of faith is when we are down that we allow God to minister to us the way he ministered to Elijah and to strengthen us in the power of his might so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you know what will happen if we do that? We will enjoy this journey of faith. See, the journey is a great journey. But it's even a greater journey when God goes with us. When God leads the way. May God use these simple lessons of our journey of faith that others have experienced, we can learn from them. And most of all, we need God to help us as we travel along life's way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the empty tomb this morning and the words that encouraged the disciples, that encouraged us this morning. Lord, many have, like myself, we've done things, we have things in our past. I'm so glad, God, that you will forgive us, and God, you will use us. May you receive honor through our lives. May you be glorified. Lord, help us to not have a little faith, but give us a great faith and a great God. And thank you so much for allowing us this great journey that you've given to us, that you're traveling with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.